Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Uh, joining us for the conversation today, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy. Shane, great to be back with you post-Labor Day to continue on with our Washington Weekly segments. I know there's a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about as we're getting closer and closer to the midterm elections coming up in November. Yeah, no, thank you, Dan, for having me. I hope you and everyone else had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And you're right. I think uh, Labor Day weekend in politics is kind of like a, a shotgun to the sprint to the elections good place to start because UBS just released the latest iteration of the ongoing Election Watch publication series, which, by the way, for our listeners, our clients of UBS, you can locate the latest edition plus any and all resources up on the website, UBS.com forward slash Election Watch. For clients, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor for a copy of the piece. Though, Shane, let's take a look at the polls as they stand here today in early September. How are the midterm election shaping up as of today? And what is the Office of Public Policy's view on the likely outcome at this point in November? Yeah, politics, you know, is ever-changing. And I think uh, what we're seeing today is quite different than what we would have talked about, you know, three months ago. I think, you know, uh, kind of at the beginning of the summer with inflation um, and crime and a whole host of other issues, that, you know, Republicans look to be uh, in the driver's seat to not only win the House, but the Senate as well. Um, fast forward through the summer, you've had a, a series of events, you know, from ranging from the Supreme Court decision uh, on abortion to uh, Democrat victories on uh, um, the Inflation Reduction Act and other items that have really um, helped Democrats. Now, uh, I think where that leaves us today is that has uh, given to the most likely scenario, in our opinion, that we're going to see a divided Congress next year. Um, we think that Republicans still um, are in the driver's seat to win back the House because it's such a narrow majority. And when you look at the uh, map and the playing field where there are retirements, where redistricting has changed the district enough um, to favor Republicans uh, to pick up the House. Now, we think they'll pick up seats, but not as many as probably we thought, you know, at the beginning of the summer. So, but on the Senate side, you know, it is an easily divided Senate today. Um, but, you know, throughout the summer, we've seen uh, primaries take place. And we've also seen uh, Republican primaries produce some candidates uh, that may win, but also some candidates that may lose, you know, for maybe um, a lack of experience in campaigning and or uh, they may just be a flawed candidate. So, you know, this is still fluid, uh, but we, we, we said in election watch that uh, the highest probability is to a divided Congress when we assign 60 percent chance of that. There is still a real chance of Republican sweep. We gave that a 25 percent chance. And then a uh, 15% chance to status quo. Um, I would say that 15%, you know, while it is small, you know, as I was saying, you know, at the beginning of the summer, I would have assigned a much lower number set. So that is increasing, but we're still keeping in mind, um, you know, that the House is so close and Republicans have a pretty fair advantage there that 
it is lower on the probability scale. Well, it is quite fascinating how quickly the tide can turn. Of course, we have roughly two months ahead of us before Election Day, so anything can happen. I'm curious in terms of legislative points of interest, fresh off the Inflation Reduction Act, how could the election results in November, Shane, impact the trajectory of legislative focuses, developments in the months ahead? Two things to distinguish. You know, one, the lame duck session, which would be that November, December time frame right after the election, but before the new Congress is seated. And then two, you know, um, after the new Congress is seated, what will be the legislative agenda in 2023 and 2024? I think, you know, for the short term, you know, there are a few items that Congress will probably be mopping up in the lame duck session, you know, like government funding. Um, we expect uh, this month uh, Congress to pass a short-term government funding bill that, you know, essentially kicks the can into December. Um, so Congress will have to deal with that again probably in December. And then there are a bunch of year-end items, you know, some tax provisions that uh, expire. And these are kind of smaller items, uh, but there are a few that are very interest- interesting to uh, business like depreciation that, um, you know, will be uh, important to certain sectors of the market. So we'll be paying attention to that. Um, additionally, there is uh, some potential for a uh, bipartisan retirement bill that could impact some of our listeners by increasing the RMD age or increasing catch-up contributions. We'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye, eye on those. Those are just a, a few off the top of my head for, you know, um, uh, that we'll be following this fall. But to your larger point, yeah, absolutely. You know, if we if we end up in that divided uh, Congress scenario, you know, we're going to have divided government for the next two years, which means that something only truly bipartisan can happen. So we shouldn't expect major pieces of legislation that swing heavily to the right or the left to uh, take place. I think you'll see, you know, with Republicans in control of the House, some investigations into the Biden administration. Um in that scenario where Republicans take hold of both houses, they'll be able to push harder on the Biden administration and, and may be able to get some compromise on uh, certain issues. In the scenario that, you know, Democrats somehow uh, maintain uh, uh, both the House and Senate and the White House, obviously, they'll still have, um, you know, I think they'll go back to the well and see if there's more items on, uh, you know, climate change they can go after or health care. But, you know, with such slim majorities, as as we've seen um, these past year and a half, two years now, you know, there, it's not um, that they can go full force into a lot of these issues uh, because uh, they won't have, you know, the the flexibility. Uh, they'll need all Democrat support, you know, in 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 most scenarios, we still need some Republican support to get things across the finish line. So. It's still limited, but we definitely have seen kind of a playbook these last few years of where Democrats would go the next two years if they still had uh, all levers of power. Between policy items and the campaign trail, a lot to track and keep an eye on over the next couple of months and beyond. So looking forward to that, Shane, though, thank you for level setting us on these domestic points of interest. And again, I do encourage our listeners, our clients to visit the Election Watch site. Again, that's UBS.com forward slash Election Watch to read further into the piece and to take a look at the other related resources. I do want to pivot a bit, Shane, talk about some foreign policy 
policy for a few moments. A lot going on right now that has direct implications to us here at home. I understand that looking ahead to next week, there is a highly anticipated meeting involving Russian President Vladimir Putin, as well as Chinese Premier Xi Jinping. Any indication as to the topics that these two will cover next week, Shane? Yeah, no. And, you know, this is, those things were coming off of Labor Day and, and you know, we jump right into it. This is um, very meaningful and, you know, something that we have to be paying attention to. And I'm sure the markets will be as well. Um, this is, you know, the backdrop of this obviously is for Russia, um, their invasion of Ukraine and not only the uh, U.S., but Western allies really putting uh, pressure on Russia with sanctions um, to, you know, back out. And so Russia is looking for allies. And where do they go to um, one of their old allies and historic allies, uh, China? And China, in the same time, has been, face- been facing um, serious amounts of pressure from uh, the U.S. and the West for a variety of topics, you know, from trade to Taiwan, uh, to human rights. So these are two countries that, you know, um, are looking for friendships and are finding each other. So this meeting uh, the next week is meaningful. Uh, they'll be looking for, you know, economic help between each other, uh, cooperation on that front. And, you know, how do they stand strong in their minds against the West? Um, so this is something that I think is not only important for us to watch, but lawmakers are going to be um, thinking about this. And I think in the back of their minds, they're wondering if this is kind of leading to, you know, almost a new Cold War where, you know, tensions remain high for years to come. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but, you know, in Washington, one of the few remaining bipartisan issues is being tough on China. Um, So I, I think in that context, uh, lawmakers are going to be very interested in this uh, meeting next week and could possibly follow up uh, with legislation or pushback on both Russia and China. Sticking with geopolitics, I know Iran has also been making headlines lately. We've spoken about the Iran nuclear deal many times here on the podcast over the years, and we have recently heard some developments surrounding the prospects for a new Iran nuclear deal, which at this point might be looking a bit less likely. So what can you share with us there, Shane? Yeah, no, I'm hearing similar that uh, a deal, uh, a nuclear deal with Iran is looking less likely at this time. But I, I think um, people are reading the headline and, you know, I, I kind of think of this as a more of a pause. Um, I think at this time, so close to the election, you know, um, the Biden administration will probably take the pause and come back to the table after the election. Um, it's a little bit, uh, you know, too hot of a period where also Iran can try and use that to their benefit. So, you know, I think this pause uh, will be in place till the election, and then they'll come back. You know, I, I don't know if a deal is still possible, even with the pause. Um, I think President Biden, though, as, as we know historically, kind of has fashioned himself as um, uh, a, a um, interested in foreign policy and, you know, he believes that that's one of his strengths. So I think he'll be looking uh, for a deal with Iran. So while some people may think it's over, I don't think with the Biden administration you can um, fully rule out a potential deal with Iran. 
um, you know, later this fall or in the winter uh, in 2023 uh, as a possibility. I think it's still a very real possibility. Well, thank you for the clarity there, Shane. Yes, something we can keep an eye on as we make our way past the midterms to see if anything is revisited or take shape with the Iran nuclear deal. Though productive conversation today, Shane. Thank you again for joining our listeners, our clients here on the Washington Weekly Podcast. Of course, a lot here on the domestic front, which we will be talking about over the next couple of months. So looking forward to having you back soon and continuing on with our conversation. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's good to be back with you, and I look forward to joining you uh, more this month. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.